0: I'm not going to try to keep you long, but I got you a great word. Uh, Talking about what we're preaching starting next week is called Awaken. I believe in Ephesians. I've been personally studying out of Ephesians 6 in my own life because, man, we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Heaven and hell is hinging. I believe we have entered into the, the last second on the time clock of eternity. John said this, that he believed that we're living in the last hour. I believe we're in the last second. I believe at any minute, that horn's going to blow. The trumpet will sound. And I believe that the Lord's coming back at any minute to save His church for what is about to come. I mean, every sign in the Bible points toward these are the last days. Now, is that a scary thing? Absolutely not. Every time Jesus talked about the last days, this is what He said. He said, don't be troubled, don't be worried, because it's not bad for His church. Man, I want you to know, we win. And so you ain't got nothing to be afraid of. These are not bad times. But Jesus did tell us to watch. And so we're seeing all this stuff. So I'm, what I'm doing, I know that we're in a spiritual battle at this moment for souls. I want you to know something. The devil is after as many people right now more than I've ever seen him in my lifetime trying to draw people too far enough away from the church. See, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It says, and the righteous come into it and they are saved. And the enemy, he loves to play this game. I want you to figure, there's this big tower, this castle here. And he calls everybody, says the name of the Lord is a, a strong child, the righteous. All of his children get into this, this tower and they're saved. But then what happens is, the devil gets outside the tower. And he tries to lure us out. And if he can get us to step outside the tower, then we're vulnerable again. Do you understand? There's a such thing as being under the covering of God. And you can move out from under the covering of God. And so I know this. In these last days, the devil's going to do every the devil knows the times. Devil knows what's going on. He he he's seeing all and he knows this. He's only got a limited amount of time to get as many of God's children. Because you know how hey, you if you really want to hurt somebody, you know how you hurt them? You hurt their kids. You you go after their kids. You know, and if you can go, if you get their kids, that's, that's what the devil did with Jesus. He thought he won when he got Jesus. He thought he, did, he hurt God. He defeated God, but he didn't because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now he knows, the devil knows, as many of you as that can get, it hurts God. God the devil hates God so much, what he wants to he'll do anything to get his kids. And so what takes place is that we're all in this tower, in the kingdom of God. But the devil will do anything he can do to get us to step outside this tower. And the truth of the matter is this. In my life a lot of times I would be in the tower and the devil would draw me out and when I would realize I was out I would turn around and run and get back in. And I've done that multiple times in my life. And most people I know do the same because what happens is it gets easier and easier and easier. But what happens is the devil draws you out from that tower out of the kingdom, out of that covering he'll let you get away with it a time or two, four or five because he knows this that if he can keep drawing you out You'll keep going a little bit farther, a little bit farther, but his plan behind it is called a scheme. Now, in Ephesians six, the Bible says this: that it says, "Having done all, to stand, stand." It says so that in the evil day. Another translation says, "So that in the day that the devil schemes, he's got plans. He's plans. He he's a. You ever heard of the long con? He's a long con. You know that he don't do the the quick con. He's a long conner. And so what he'll do is he'll let you get out from under." the covering of the, the name of the Lord for, and then let you get back in and you make it. Because you made it through it, it'll be easier. Needed. But he also knows this, that at some point, if he can get you out far enough, that his plan is to get you before you have time to get back in. Does that make sense? The Bible says the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I mean, he can't get everybody. He can't get through that tower. He can't get into through the covering of God. But if he can lure us out, and another tactic, scheme, he uses. If he can't lure you out, he'll put you to sleep. Now, we're going to start a series next week called Awaken. Because in this, se- in this season that we've been going through, in this thing, what we've been seeing in our nation, with the, the devil shutting churches down with COVID-19 and, and dispersing people, and the enemy has tried to put people to sleep. Now, sleep, everybody... Loves to sleep. But the problem with sleep is this. You are super vulnerable to attack when you're asleep. And if you go to sleep in the wrong places, you can be robbed. If you go to sleep in the wrong places, you can be killed. If you go to sleep in the wrong place, you can be captured. The problem with sleep is this. I, a lot of times, watch TV with my kids. And the older I get, I told this before, I I watch TV with my kids. And the older I get, we'll all sit up on the couch. And, you know, we'll sit there and get all comfortable, and the movie will be playing, and I'll blink, and watch the movie, blink, I'll blink, and then it's like the third time I blink, I'll open my eyes and all the kids are in bed, and the TV is off, and they just left me there. And I would have fallen asleep during the movie and didn't even know it. The problem with falling asleep is you can do it and not even know it. But you need to understand something. That the Bible says in the last days there's going to be a great falling away. And the devil is scheming right now to get churches and Christians to fall asleep. And so we're going to start a series next week called Awaken. There's a story in the Bible actually where Paul was preaching. He's a much better preacher than me, I'm sure. But he was preaching in a room. And the room, the Bible says, was packed full of people. And... You know, I can't imagine how great of a sermon that was. This is a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How powerful that message was. How, I mean, the dude was miracles. And, you know, I would have liked to see Paul just to see all the scars on him. Man, the dude had been beat up and whipped and all that kind of stuff. That was a tough cat. I would have went to see. He's like the ultimate fighting apostle, you know. And I would have been glued. But the Bible says there was a guy there that did not understand the schemes of the devil, obviously. Because it says, in a pack room, he found the most comfortable seat he could get in. The Bible says there was a young man that went and found a seat in the window in the back of the room. And as the service was going on, as people were being saved, as people were being ministered to, and I believe they were being healed because the the Holy Ghost and the acts of the new church was going on. The Bible says that he got real comfortable in that window and he fell asleep. The next thing that happened after he fell asleep, the Bible says he fell out of the window and he hit the ground and he died. Good news is this, so Paul had enough faith to get up and raise him from the dead. I told the early service, "Yeah, you know, I'm not as spiritual as Paul. And because uh, God hadn't used me to write two-thirds of the New Testament yet. And I don't know if I have the faith to raise you from the dead if you fall while you're asleep. But I do have the faith to do everything I can do to wake you up if the enemy is trying to lure you under. Amen? So over the next several weeks, I'm going to challenge the devil and we are going to awaken the champion in you. We're going to awaken the destiny in you. We're going to awaken God's purpose in you. We're going to awaken the passion. Amen. So we'll be going into awaken. But today is a different kind of a service, and I, I asked um, Kelly to announce today. I'm going to be preaching a prophetic message because I truly do. I didn't want to start the series today, and so over the last couple of weeks I've been praying. God, give me a a word that the church needs right now that I can share that will help us get through this. And I believe God has given me a prophetic word to give you today. And we're going to go through it real quick. All right. Second Kings chapter four is where we're going to pick up. And it starts off saying this A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah. Now, had y'all rather me read the I'll read the whole story and then I'll break it apart, okay? It says, A certain cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and that the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but. Now I told the early service, aren't you glad everybody's got a butt? Because if we would have stopped right there if we just said you know I have nothing in my house this would not be a good story at this point it would be over but she said but, and you need to understand everybody in here, you may we are all facing what the nation's facing together. This is not a good thing we're facing. This is actually a very challenging time. This is a very unrestful time. This is we've got COVID rampant, we've got unrest in our nation rampant, we've got different things going all around us, going rampant. And the thing about it is if we were just to look at all that's going on outside of us, and you may have even more. You may be going home today and you've got a marriage that's in disrepair. You've got a marriage that is, you know, in a desperate moment. You may have kids right now that, you know, are not serving the Lord, and they're out doing things that you know that at any minute the enemy may want to try to take them. You may be in a desperate, you may be looking at your bank account today and saying, wow, man, look at that. I don't have enough money. I got more month in my calendar than I got money in my bank account. You may be looking at your health saying, you know, this thing is not right it's not working the way god i'm not feeling like i should be the enemy's trying to you may be in a desperate thing right now but if you just looked at that this could be very dire but i want you to know something everybody in here has a butt you do and you've got the biggest butt of all she said but a jar of oil and so today we're going to talk about the oil, but let's read the story real quick before I get into this, okay? It says, and then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. In other words, said, Listen, don't. this is not going to be no little thing. This is a big deal. Don't just get a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessel to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, that she said to her own son, to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came, and the Lord, well, let me point it, it said ceased. It didn't say run out. Do you understand? There is not a lacking of what you need. God is not on a budget plan. God is not in heaven with his hands tied, wanting to do something, but can't afford to. It did not run out. The Bible said it ceased. We'll talk about that here in a minute. It says, it says, and then she came and told the man of God, and he said, "Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest." I want to I want to make this real strong because this is what the prophetic word I believe God gave me was this. The last part of this story, the last part of this text, and it's going to take we we'll have to go back through the text to get to it. But he said this: I'm going to take care of your past. I'm going to provide for you in your present. But you need to know something. I've got good things for your future. This is what you need to hear today. The Lord told me clear as day that this is our word. This is your word. This and you say, I don't see how it can get better. You don't know what I mean. Listen, what God's about to do in you, through you, and for you is going to cut off your past. All that's been trying to get you. All that's been trying to come and overtake you. All that's been trying to hold you captive from what has happened in the past. See, the money they had spent in the past was fixing to put her family and her son in bondage. The word of the Lord today is, I'm going to cut off your past. I'm going to take care of it. It's going to be paid for. He's saying, you don't got to worry about right now either. I'm with you. I'm in the middle of this with you. And then he said this, go sell it. He said, go sell it so that you may live on the rest. There's enough God has for you that the rest of your life will be affected by what's going on right now. Amen? So we're going to get there, but let's get there quickly and I'll try to keep this as quick and good as I can. Number one, we find a lady that woke up one day and she had enough wisdom within her to recognize her situation. She'd been through a lot. She had... Taken a loss. The Bible says her husband died. Now, if you do the research on that word died, it's actually a Greek word. I mean, not, not a Greek word. It's a Hebrew word, but the, the uh, root word that it came out of was it, she died or deceased prematurely. In other words wasn't supposed to happen that way her husband died and it wasn't supposed to happen that way what do we do when we find ourselves in situations when it wasn't supposed to happen this way we didn't plan for this we didn't think when 2020 started you remember I was preaching this is the year of perfect vision this is the year God's gonna show you some things and I want to tell you something God has shown me some things that I have never seen before I've seen pandemic shut the world down I've seen unrest come about I have seen some things I've never seen before but I'm here to tell you 2020 is not over you're gonna see what God's gonna do through the rest of it if you keep holding on you don't give up you don't give out you don't give in you hold on you hold out you keep going, 2020 is only half over. We just hit this week, midway through the year. I want you to tell us something. The best movies I've ever seen, right in the middle of them, have a, have a climax where either they're fighting a big battle or it looks like they're about to lose, but I'm here to tell you this. The rest of your year is going to be amazing. God's not going to leave this thing this way. Now you say, well, Krieger, these six months have been long. I understand. Sometimes battles take a long time, but the victory is worth it. In the Bible, the Bible says that there were five kings that were come against Joshua and the children of Israel. But the victory was so valuable there that they had fought all day long. But Joshua knew that if the sun goes down and these kings get away, then I have to fight this thing again. This battle won't be over. This thing may drag on for years and years and years. And so the Bible says God was willing to stop the sun. Now, the guys that were fighting with Joshua, don't you know? See, Joshua was the one that asked the Lord to hold the sand. So he understood but what do you think about the guys further down the line that didn't hear the prayer? They're probably thinking, my God, is this day ever going to end? This is the longest day I have ever been alive. want you know something. It was a long day. But the victory was great. All five kings were destroyed, none of them got away. The will of God prevailed. And before this year's over, you're going to see God's hand at work in your life. But you've got to hold on, hold out. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't back out. Don't back away. You keep in. And you hold on. Amen? Amen? Bible says here that she her her husband died. Now, that's enough to knock anybody off their feet. I don't know if you've ever lost a loved one. I've never lost a person. My grandparents going home, it was the closest death I've ever had. I, I watch and I've walked with people that have lost spouses or lost... Parents or lost children. And man, the devastation I see some people go into, I understand. I don't understand how some people get up and walk again. When they get their legs knocked out from under them at that level. But I know God's grace is sufficient. And this lady here had what it took. When the enemy came and took something and it wasn't, I don't know about you, but you know, maybe the enemy's taking a dream that you had for this year. Maybe the enemy's taking a job that you had this year. Maybe the enemy's taking a plan that you had this year and he's tried to knock the legs out under. money. He tried to get you to stop. Tried to get you to get involved. Tried to get you to give up at this moment. She could have given up at that moment and everybody would have understood. Because what she was going through is real. I'm here to tell you, what we're going through is real. What you're going through is real. At your house, those problems... Or real, there's a real devil, and he's really after you. It's not just talk. But the Bible also said she was re- she was able to see what had happened, but she also had the wisdom to see what was coming. See, the enemy right now would love for you to do nothing more than to focus on what you've lost. Because if he can get you stuck in what you've lost, then he's got you stuck. If, if we keep our eyes on what has happened behind us. Now, I'm not ignoring what's happened behind us. Even in the issues of the racial issues that our nation is fighting and the things that are going on around us. You know, yes, they're 100% the biggest stain on our country in any, in any part it was the stain of us, racism and slavery. There's no denying how wrong that is. But I'm here to tell you, if all we can do is look at what's been done in the past, we're going to be stuck in this thing forever. We've got to understand that, yes, may, but this is real, this thing has happened. Yes, this did take place. But if we just focus in on what we've lost, we can't ever move to what God's wanting to do. Because what we've went through means we can be completely different. See, God wants to, just because we've been through something... Doesn't mean we have to stay something. The Bible says and that when Joshua, I mean David and his army went to Ziglag, the Bible says when they came home, they were out fighting a battle, and they came home. When they got home, the enemy had come in and robbed their house, took their wives, took their children, took their possessions, burned their fields, burned their houses. They lost everything. And the Bible said this. The Bible says David and his men cried until they could cry no more. I'm not making light of anything that has ever happened in any of our histories. All of it is real. All of us have, you know, as a nation, we should be ashamed of ourselves. And I agree with that. But the Bible said this, David rose up and he said this. He said that when he cried all he cried, he inquired of the Lord. He said, do I pursue or do I not? He said, in other words, it was, should I go, go after fixing this or should I just let it happen? And he could have chose to just let it happen. But he didn't. The Lord said, no, I, don't, I don't want you to just lay down and let this thing happen. I want you to do something about it. So he got up and he went. But the Bible says on their way there, it says David and his men, had. they hit a river called Bezer. Now Bezer, the, water, the word Bezer stands for, actually means, the a word of uh, cold water, running cold water. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says David and 200 of his men walked through that water and it was cold. But 400 of his men got in it and decided it was too cold. They were not going to go through that water. They were willing to give up what God had for their future because of what they were going through right then. But they, David and the 200 that went, Bible says, were covered it at all. am here to tell you, the enemy would love for us to look back at what we've been through and get stuck in this thing. But I'm here to tell you, as Christians, as believers, I don't care where you come from and what your history is. As Christians and believers, God wants us to stand up get up and go forward. The children of Israel were slaves for 400 years. They, their job was to build bricks out of mud. Every day, they got up and made straw and mud. Straw and mud. Mentally, mud was what the enemy wanted to use to keep them stuck. Well, they Because the enemy also knew this, that for them to get free, they were going to have to cross a body of water somewhere. And if I can keep them focusing in on mud, the thing that kept them in slavery. And when things got worse, the Bible says that Pharaoh took the straw and just let... Now they had to make sticks, I mean bricks out of mud and mud. So now they had all this mud. And their, their mud was what... That, that, that what would bring them into, that's what they did as slaves. But when God got ready to set them free, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says they came up to a, bottle, a body of water, the Red Sea, and God separated the Red Sea. And then this was the supernatural part. That was big. That's crazy that God can split that. And I've watched on History Channel how the world has tried to tried to um, rationalize how the tide pulled it back. I want you to know something. I, I live 13 miles from the ocean. And when the tide pulls back, the sand stays wet for several days. And the Bible says when the Red Sea parted, it says they walked across on dry ground. Do you know why God had them walk across on dry ground? God had to do a supernatural miracle because I know this the devil would have loved for them the minute God started making a way out when they would have stepped out if their feet would have hit mud guess what they would have went right back to? Same old thing. Because if we stay focused on what we came from we will always stay with what we are. But the Bible says God caused them to walk across on dry ground. And they would have got stuck right in the middle of that. And they would have died with the, children, with the Egyptians. But I want you to know something. If you can understand that yes, what we went through is real. What our history is marred. And what has happened is real. I'm not belittling any of that. But you decide I'm not going to stay stuck focusing on what has happened. I'm going to choose to be part of something that God is doing in the future. And you begin to walk out of this thing and find ways and hear from God on how to do and what to do you'll come out of this thing supernaturally she understood that yes my husband's gone but she also understood the devil's plan was to keep me in captivity she, you gotta recognize the time I've stayed too long on that right, but you gotta recognize the time so knowing that this is where we are recognizing what's going on what do we do as a church and this is what I feel like the Lord told me he said yes what we see on the news, what we hear in the uh, society and all this going on, if we put our focus merely on this, we're going to miss what God is trying to do with us. Because he said, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing but a jar of oil. Meaning, there is always some, God always has something, even no matter how insignificant you make it is, that you can focus on there's always a but that you can focus in on. There's always something that God wants to use that you already have. You say, Great God, I don't have anything, but... I don't know how many times I've been through things i said, man, I've tried everything. All I can do now is pray. I've done, done everything I can do. All I can do now is, is pray about it. You know, why is prayer the last thing I do? Why is prayer our last resort? Because it's the answer, it's the but, it's the oil that changes it all. And so all of that's happened. Now what we have to do is realize to come out of this thing is going to have to be done supernaturally. In the natural, that's all done. Supernaturally, we're going to come out of this thing. We've got to have a butt of jar of oil in our life. And everybody has one. So I want to go through a couple steps real quick on how we as a church, how you as a Christian, how you as a believer are about to change everything in your life for the rest of this year. You ready? First thing she did was this. Number one, it says she was connected to a group of believers. You being connected to the Bible says she was the wife of a son of the prophets. In the NIV it says this. She was a wife of one of the ones in the company of prophets. She belonged to... To a group of believers. She belonged to a body that spoke and talked and lived the word of God. You're going to, if you're going to come out of this thing, it is of utmost importance this year that you stay and you get involved and you be a part of the body of Christ. You will not be able to get through this thing at the level God wants you to be used in this thing if you're not connected to a church. Right. The reason why you're in America right now is because God wants to use you to help change it. But if you're not connected to the body of Christ or to the group of believers, then God won't be able to use you at the level He wants you say, well, well, Cricket, I don't believe believe God can use me without a church. He can. But I'm going to be honest with you. Um, He loves the church. And He loves the church more than He loves any other organization on this planet. He loves the church so much that he called it my bride. i got to be honest with you. There's only one girl on this planet that I've ever called my bride because I love her more than any other girl on this whole planet, and that's Jennifer. She's my bride. There's only one thing that he called his bride, and that was the church. You may not like the church, but he likes it. You know, if you want to be my enemy real fast, just don't like my wife. Man, you can be nice, sweet, kind, give me money, you know what I'm saying? But if you, and, and if you don't like my wife, we're not friends. Because we're together. Me and her are a package deal. I mean, you, you want me to quit hanging out with you quicker than anything? Talk about my wife. You know, we may like everything else in the world, but and we have all this in common, but you talk about my wife, we're done. Because we're a package deal. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to be able to accomplish what God has called you and wants to use your love if you're disconnected from a church. She understood that her connection to the body was so important. Secondly, what she understood here in this story is that she understood the value of spiritual um the value of spiritual uh <laughs> how that word slipped my mind she went to get some advice spiritual advice but okay. i'm trying to say she recognized the moment she was living in she'd been through a lot and then she um heard she saw what the devil was trying to do in her future she was connected to a church, but it wasn't enough just to be connected to a church. She understood that I've got to have a pastor in my life that will speak and give me counsel when I don't know what or how to do. I'm not saying that because I am a pastor, because I've got to be honest with you. I've never thought any advice I've ever given anybody was any good. But I'm saying that because of this. I have a pastor. As a matter of fact, last night I sat at my pastor's house, and although I've been in four country, uh, four states this week, I had to sit on one side of the driveway, and he had to sit on the other side of the driveway, so that we keep each other safe. But I had to ask him about what we're doing as a church and what he thought, because I got to be honest with you. There's some things we're facing. I don't know the answer to. I don't know how to keep everybody safe. I don't know how to keep everybody from getting sick. I don't know the best moves. I don't know how to keep people from falling asleep if we shut the door. I don't know those things. So I'm sitting there asking my pastor. You say, well, is he that smart? Uh, No. But I know this. In the Bible... When God got ready to do something, the people he would reveal things to, he, you know, when Jesus was born, the greatest thing God has ever done on this planet since creation, when Jesus was born, the only person God revealed it to were shepherds. Now, the, the wise men, they saw it in the stars. The Bible says they followed the signs. But the Bible says that it was the shepherds when the angels appeared and said, glory to God in the highest. God reveals things to shepherds, that he doesn't reveal to anyone else and I got to be honest with you if you're not smart enough to have a shepherd in your life and go to them over advice you're missing out on a lot of what God has for you the Bible says Joseph's father told him to go find his brothers in the field read it in Genesis and the Bible says on his way there he got lost and it says he encountered a man in a field now the only kind of men that were in fields in those days because fields were dangerous places was because the lions and wolves were shepherds and they were there to train they were trained are supposed to be able to keep wolves and bears and all that away. The Bible says Joseph encountered a man in a field, and the man told him what direction to go in to get to his brothers. A pastor can't tell you what your destiny is, but if you ask a pastor about how you should get to that destiny, I promise you, if you submit yourself under a spiritual authority, God will reveal to you, to him, and use him to either confirm or direct in your life how to get to your destiny. She understood, I need to go get some spiritual advice. I'm shocked at people that make decisions dealing with life changes on their own without getting any spiritual advice. Because you can get way off base. And spiritual advice is not natural advice. Spiritual advice is advice that comes from God that may may not make any natural sense. Because what you see in this story sounded awful stupid, what he told her to do. But it was the thing that she did, and when she did it, it was the thing that gave her future. Saved her kids. Got her through what she was going through. I'm here to tell you, you I, the most valuable thing I have in my life, besides the Word of God, is I have the voice of a pastor. Amen. And I'm not saying that, again, because I'm the pastor. You don't understand how nervous I get when somebody asks me my advice. Because I'm like, oh God, did I tell them wrong? <laughs> you know, I don't wanna, but I know this, I can't imagine... Having to go through the things I have to go through as a father, as a husband, without a pastor in my life, she understood this. Going forward in this, I'm telling you. And you say, "Well, Cricket, what if the pastor's wrong? That's between them and God, Amen. and they won't get away with it." Amen. Bible says, "Obey them, and have rule the of you, submit yourselves, for they watch for this, so that they may give an account on the day of judgment." Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "God's going to judge those guys," and so pastors that take that lightly. That's a dangerous thing. But she understood. She went to, she went to the prophet. And what the prophet was those, in those days was the man that spoke the word of the Lord. And so she went to him and said, What do I do? And the Bible says he told her this. He says, What do you have in the house? She says, I don't have anything. She put the less value on the most important thing. And she said... But a jar of oil. I want you to know something. I don't care if you have nothing left in your life. I don't care if you don't got a dollar. I don't care if you don't have an emotion or a feeling for your husband or your wife. I don't care if you've lost everything. Because of the God that's on the inside of you, you have enough to get through what you're going through. He says, I don't have anything but a jar of oil. If you have ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Spirit of God has come on the inside of you. In your house, there's a jar of oil. The Holy Spirit is represented in the Bible through oil. If you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you, you can lose everything on the outside, but as long as He's on the inside, that's all you need. You just hold on. You keep a hold of it. You don't give up. You don't back down. You keep going because all it takes is a little bit of oil. Let's talk about the oil just for a minute. People put such less value on what oil is. I was going to do a whole study on what you can use oil to do, but that would take too much time. We, the, oil, the value of the oil is this. The Bible says there were five smart ladies and there were five foolish ladies in the Bible. The five smart ladies understood how important oil was. They understood how valuable their future, their destiny, and what God had put him here to do depended on the oil. And the Bible says that one night that they knew it was the last night Before the bride came, I want you to know something. We are in the last days. We're on the last second of the time clock for eternity. And what's going on right now is you need to know, you might have had oil in the past, but you need to make sure you got oil right now. The Bible says the five smart wives realize that the night's coming and it may take a little while. And if I don't got enough oil to get through the night, then I won't be here in the morning to go. And so the Bible said that they went out and they got some more oil. Now, I got to be honest with you. Just because you were saved when you were five is not enough oil for you to get through what you're going through now. You're going to need enough oil to get through what our nation's going through. And it's the only thing that's going to get us through is the oil of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have, need to have enough. And what does that mean? That means you better get yourself regularly to a place where you're getting some more. Do you believe that you can run out of oil? Yes, I do believe you can run out of oil. The truth of the matter is we leak. And if we don't leak, then we pour. And when you pour, what happens is you will go empty. You've got to keep yourself. You've got to understand the value of oil. Because, see, the Bible says that the five that were smart went and got some so that when they got low, they were able to refill. And their candle, their light, was still going when the bridegroom showed up and they went to the bride feast or the wedding feast. But the five that were not smart let their light go out. They thought, I got enough oil. I don't need any more. I got enough to get through this. I don't need to have to go out and get more. I don't want to put the effort in. I don't want to have to go back to chair. I don't want." And so they took it. At a convenient, Or they took it very nonchalantly. They figured the bride loved them enough. To get them in the morning. But I want you to know something. It's the oil. That is the qualifying factor. Why. Do we need to be desperately. Connected to the church. Because that's where. The oil flows. Why do we need pastors in our life. Because God uses pastors to pour oil. Into our life. Why is the oil so important? Because God has called you and he's called me to be a part of saving this nation right now. God's called you and he's called me to save your family right now. God's called you and he's called me to save this city. And the Bible says that there was a man that found himself in the same shape that our nation is in right now. There was a man and it says that, they, that robbers took him and they beat him up and they left him for dead on the side of the road. That's where America is right now. It's been robbed there's been heritage's robbed. There's been there's been freedoms for four hundred years now. Robbed. There's, we've been robbed. We've been beat up, and we're laying on the side of the road. But the Bible says religion could not fix it. Priests walked right by. They did not have anything that it needed to help that man. They could not help him. They did not. Religion is not going to do this thing for you. Church is just going to church or just. Being a Christian is not going to do it for you. You You've got to do something more than do what we've always done or do nonchalant Christianity. Religion's not going to do it. Then the Bible said this. Bible says that um, then the priest, the law, the ones that knew the laws and knew the rules, wasn't gonna. You can't live right enough to get through this thing the way God wants you to. You can't do right enough to get. The Bible said, but there came a Samaritan, the most least likely of them all, the one that had the worst checkered past. The reason why the Jews hated Samaritans because they were half breeds, they were half in, half out, and so they were so there was a reason. But the Bible said the most least likely of all was able to be used by God because he had two things. He had oil, and he had wine, and he was able to save that man. I want you to know something: the way it's going to save our nation is if the church will decide we need oil and we need wine. The Bible says here, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. The Bible says that he told her this. He said, "All right, you've got a jar bowl. What I need you to do is go to your house and gather all your empty vessels. Know this about empty vessels." That everybody has some. And the way me and you usually think are self-minded. That's just the truth. And then he went the next step and he says, and then go into your neighbor's house. The reason why he said that is this, because I believe that she would have went home and just gathered up her empty vessels that she had in the house and that would have been all that God could have done. But see, he mentioned her neighbors. Because you need to know this. God don't want you just to get through this thing. He wants you to go into your neighbor's house. He wants you to get into your children's lives. He wants you to be affecting those around you at your job and at your work to bring in empty vessels. And I'm going to close this way. He said, go get as many vessels as you can. Prophetically, I want to speak this to you. You need, you must, and if you will, God will back up his end. Start expecting God to use you greater than you've been being used you must expect God to do bigger things than you've been expecting Him to do. Get more pots. Now, you need to understand this. When they got the pots there, this is how the enemy would love and this is how most church people, and this is how I have thought for years. If I'll just get the pots there, the responsibility now comes on God to fill them. But that's not what the prophet says. Get all the pots, put them in your house, shut your door, get your sons in. And it says, and then she began to pour. God, you are not waiting on God to fix your marriage. You are not waiting on God to heal your body. You are not waiting on God to heal our nation. God is waiting on you. She had to start pouring the oil. She did not have to manufacture the oil. She did not have to go find the oil. She just had to be willing to pour the oil. When you move yourself to a place of pouring the oil that you have on the inside of you out into the empty vessels that are all around you, at that moment, what God has the release to do is to begin to put something on the inside of you more abundantly than you ever thought you could ever be a part of do. She poured into the vessels. In this season right now, and I'm going to make this real quick, in this season right now, we're at a moment where our nation is so full of empty vessels. And God is asking, who is willing to bring them into the house and who is willing to do what it takes to pour into them? Last night I got—I was—I got into town early, but I had to go meet with my pastor, so I got back into El Dorado real late. And I went to a gas station—I mean, a, a drive-through um, restaurant. And when I got there, there was a guy working, young man, probably 22, 23, and man, he just looked exhausted. I mean, he looked rough. <laughs> I said, man, it's been a long day. He said, man, I've been here all day since this morning. Everybody's been calling in. I am tired. Man, I've been looking around at people and talking. Man, right now the whole world is tired. They're tired of this COVID. They're tired of social injustice in our nation. They're tired of racism and prejudice. They're tired of... Of hateful and hatefulness they're ty- everybody is so tired that they've gotten so empty everybody you see almost is like they're empty vessels they got nothing left and that's why we're erupting like we're erupting because people are so empty but they're so tired and God has put oil on the inside of you to be the solution to what everybody's so tired of But the Bible says that she had to gather them together. I'm here to tell you this. Man, if you want to be used by God right now, every person you find, you get them into the house of God. It says bring all the empty vessels into the church. The greatest tragedy I see going on in the nation right now is that there are more cars in the parking lot of churches than there are people inside of them. And that is true and it don't make any sense to me. I I think, how in the world could there be more cars than there are people? Go out there and look. You know, There's cars all out there and there aren't very many people in here. It don't even mathematically make sense to me how that can happen. But the reason why it's that way is because Christians have decided it's okay for things to be empty all around them. How many of you guys came to church with at least one empty seat in your car? I had five empty seats in my car. I'm as much as the problem as God wants me to be the solution. I'm not doing everything I can do to gather empty vessels. I'm not doing everything I can do to get vessels into the house. But see, because the woman was concerned about what she was going to do, how she was going to get through it, the prophet said, if you will put yourself in a position to pour into empty vessels, get empty vessels in the house and pour what you have on the inside of it into, that, into those vessels, then I'll be able to take care of what you're going through. When we get to the place where it's not okay for us to know people that are dying and going to hell in these last days, God's going to begin to change our situation. But people are tired. Last night at that restaurant, I put mean, I, I, he was tired. I mean, so I've been here all day. So when he gave me my food, I gave him double the money. I didn't do it because he was working hard. I did it so that he would take the next thing I was about to give him. And he was like, why? And I said, here man, I want, I want to just bless you. Because, man, you've been working hard, and I appreciate you making my food for me. I said, but will you come to church with me? I handed him one of our church business cards. He picked up and looked at it, and that's what he said. Oh, man, I've been to that church before. And he named somebody. I said, I I, I can't. I started coming, but, man, I I hadn't been in a couple years now. Man, somehow the enemy was able to draw him in. But then he went back out, and I saw him empty today. But he told me this, over the next several weeks, whatever Sunday he gets, he's going to come to church with us. And so I drove off from there praying, God, when he walks in, I ask you that you use us as a church to pour such oil into his life that he will never know what it's like to be empty like he was again today. We have to move to a place to understand the value of empty vessels. We have to understand God wants to use you to bring them into the house. You have to understand that one or two or few are not enough. He said get as many as you possibly can. The reason why this is a prophetic word to our church is because this time is ending up now. The time is ending now. You can see the signs all across. We're moving into the last day. We need to save as many people as we can possibly save get the vessels in and let God use us to pour the Holy Spirit into their lives. And then we have to pour over them. Now let me explain this because this is weird and just so you know we're a spirit filled church and the Bible said this. The Bible said that in spiritual warfare and issues, that you're to pray in the Spirit. Now, I don't know how everybody believes in this issue. And I know there are some people that have wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit for years. And they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they've got God in. But they, the, the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit is a totally separate act. And they've never really prayed in tongues. But I mean, I'm, a, I'm a tongue prayer. And what I felt the Lord told me was this. He wants to use us to pour into empty vessels. But it don't start when they get in here we have to pour into these empty vessels we have to pour into prayer over them the way you take oil from a jar and put it in a pot is you get over it and you pour over it Felt like the Lord told me this if we will begin to pray in Ephesians 6 it says this pray in the spirit and all kind of diverse um, um, why am I forgetting all this stuff there all kind of diverse requests in other words pray more than one kind of way Paul said this, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. God used Paul to pour into most of the known world at that time. And God still uses all of Paul's writings to pour into every spiritual church that I know of. And I believe God used him at that level because he understood that every time I get before the Lord and I pray, and I pray in tongues, I pray in the Spirit over things, it pours oil out of my life into those situations. I'm here to tell you you need to start praying in the spirit over your family. That's not popular, and I know people get offended. You need to start praying in spirit in the spirit over this city. You need to start praying and pouring oil out over our nation. You need to start praying in the spirit over your families and over your finances. You watch everything you pray in the spirit and you pour into. Over, I pray in tongues over my wife, my kids. I pray in tongues over you. I pray in tongues over our city. I'm not that spiritual because the reason why, honestly, why I have to pray in tongues a lot is because I'm not that smart either. I can't think of everything I need to pray about, so I do that, and then I move into the Spirit because I know if I can just pour what I have on the inside of me out over what it is God's wanting me to affect, God will use me to fill it. And so I just pray. You say, Cricket, I don't know how to pray in tongues. Just get in a private closet and Try. I don't believe in it. Try. Try. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. All you gotta do is ask and fill it. And there's no methodology to it. You just gotta you gotta be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to if she wouldn't have took her little jar of oil and poured over them big old pots, they never would have got full. If she was if she thought that don't make no sense, there's no way I'm not doing it. Then she never would have got a miracle. We gotta start pouring over this city. We gotta begin again to intercede and pray and stand in the gap and pour out over them now he said oil and wine is what saved the guy when we pray in the spirit that's called using the gifts of the spirit the gifts of the spirit are the oil now praying in tongues is not the only way only gift there's also the prophesying the gift of prophecy you need to start prophesying over your kids I prophesy that this year they're going to come to the knowledge and know Jesus and they're going to serve the Lord from this day forward. You need to prophesy over your marriage that I love my wife and my wife loves me more than anyone else on this planet. I prophesy that we are inseparable. I prophesy that the devil can't bring any weapon between us or to harm us in any way. I prophesy that this year my marriage will be the best marriage I've ever seen. I prophesy, you've got to start prophesying. You say, well Cricket, I don't hear. No, prophesying is simply you declaring the word of the Lord. You, if you want to pour oil into an empty vessel, if your marriage is empty, start speaking the word of God over your marriage. Over your finances. I prophesy that I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the field. I have more than enough. I am blessed to the point that I can give money away for the purposes of the kingdom of God. I prophesy that this year, my finances will be better than they've ever been before because God is going to bless the faithfulness of my giving. I prophesy. See, the oil is you using the gifts. But then that's not enough because to help the man on the side of the road that had been beat, it took wine too. What is wine? Oil is the gifts. Wine is the fruit. You know you can be so spiritual you're mean. You ever met those people? (laughs) So spiritual they're mean. And so the oil runs off people like water on a duck's back. Because there's no wine to go with it the fruits of the spirit love joy peace when we begin to pour out the oil and the wine over empty vessels in our lives god can begin at that moment to begin to release a revival like we have never seen Everybody keeps praying for revival. It's not going to come until you decide you're going to be the one that pours out into over these things. When you position yourself... I I was like, God, how can our church... I'm going to throw this at you. I was like, God, how can our church... um, Moving, How can we show the fruits of the Spirit as a church going through what we're going through now? Because, you know, I, and, you know, we were giving out masks, and I wanted to give the community masks, and all the leadership was on board with that. So we've given out almost six, 7,000 masks to this city in the last year. I'm proud of that. But that, that's just not, I don't, I'm not, I mean, I'm proud, but at the same point, I, was, I wanted it. But so this week, I was like, oh, what can we do? And this is what the Lord told me. Some people going to think it's crazy. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. But felt like the Lord told me this. We're going to get a food truck. We're going to get a Victory Mobile food truck and we're going to slap decals all over the side of us. when people know it rolls into a neighborhood, they're going to know where it's from. And then what they're going to do is we're going to open it up in different neighborhoods every week and we're going to feed everybody in those neighborhoods a hot meal. And when they come to get those meals, we're going to tell them about Jesus. We're going to love on them at all whatever cost. We're going to go into the white neighborhoods. We're going to go into the black neighborhoods. We're going to go into the parks on a hot Saturday, Sunday afternoon, or Saturday day. We'll pull into a park, throw that food truck open, and give out popsicles. I don't care what we got to do, but I, the Lord, tell me if we want our church to be full of the oil of the Holy Spirit, then we have to position ourselves to be able to pour in the oil and the wine, because. We are waiting for God to do this. But we have to decide that we have to do it. She had to pour what she had out. And so we've got to, as a church, in your family, you're going to be the one that has to make the change. You're waiting on God to change somebody? No, God's waiting on you to be the change. You're going to have to, the fruits of the Spirit is love. You're going to have to love people that don't deserve it. You're going to have to love people you don't want to love. You're going to have to love people that are unworthy. You're going to have to, the Bible says, joy. You've got to, to be nice to people, kind, patient, long suffering. That's the tough one. Because God, the fruits of the Spirit are you've got to be nice to people that irritate you. You've got to, to just be tolerant. And you've got to, to let the wine flow because this is what happens. And I'm done. I really am done. If we will gather vessels, I'm telling you, this will be. This is the most prophetic word I feel like I've gotten this year. Lord said, if we will take on the responsibility of gathering vessels, empty vessels, going everywhere, everything we do, on purposely, trying to get empty vessels in here, and we will fill this house with empty vessels, then we will use what he's put on the inside of us to, one, pray and prophesy and pour out the oil into them that we have on the inside of us. And we will be used with the fruit of the Spirit. We will love. We will have joy, peace, long suffering. i got to be honest with you. God will use this church to heal the past, to change the present, and to direct the future. That's what He said. He said, take the oil that you have and pay off the debt. Heal the past. That oil will heal the wounds of this nation. There's nothing else that will do it. It's the oil of the Holy Ghost will heal the wound of slavery, of racism, of police injustice, of economic unfairness, of um, arrest profiling. Of It will heal all of that. Only thing that can is the oil. When the man was laying on the side of the road beaten, battered, says he took the oil and he put the oil on him. And he didn't put the wine on him. says he, you know, because you know, you put the oil on the wound. It's salve. But he gave the man the wine to drink. The fruits of the Spirit that we have in our, you know, I've never seen an apple tree eat an apple. Have you? A lot of times we want the fruits of the Spirit. The reason why we want them is because we want, for us, fruits of the Spirit were never given to you for you fruits of the spirit were given to you for somebody else your wife should know you're the most loving guy in the world because you're full of the Holy Spirit your wife should know you're the kindest guy in the world because you're full of the Holy Spirit the world's gonna have to know that we are full and when they taste our wine they don't spit it out because it's bitter because it's just religion just because it's law they do they love it because it's the fruits of the Holy Spirit and then this is what the Bible says. It says, and the oil flowed until all the vessels were full. Now, this is what it is. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Really. The reason why we're not seeing oil flow like we've been desiring is because there's not enough empty vessels in this room. All right, all right, we're not reaching enough empty vessels, we're not got enough lost people. We, we need more lost people in here. And when we bring lost people in, I can tell you this, the oil will begin to flow again. The oil will begin to flow. And when the oil flows, you benefit from it. Your marriage gets healed. Your kids get delivered. Your kids set free. Your finances begin to turn around when the oil flows. Only time in the nation we've seen something even close to what we're looking at now was back years ago. And there was a sickness in the nation. There was economic unrest in the nation. Smog was covering Los Angeles at the time to the point where they they did not know what to do. Couldn't even see the sun. And history says that what happened, they actually, Los Angeles actually hired people to try to fix these problems. They said there's no way to fix this. Naturally. Naturally. But what happened was there was an older black man that lived in a house alone and he only had one eye. And then socially, no one looked at him as a leader. But he began to pray and ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit began to show up and pour on his life and he began to tell his neighbors about it and all of his neighbors began to come to his house and he would pray and the Holy Spirit would come into those places and pour over them and then the number of people grew so big that they all gathered on his front porch one day and the front porch collapsed so they moved to the barn in the back of his yard and the number began to grow and now any spirit filled church in this nation that you go to and you ask them have you ever heard of the Zuzu Street they find they go back to where the greatest revival in our nation's history began and it changed the economic situations of that day it changed the health issues of that day and it changed the atmosphere of our nation's cultural change from that point on That's why there's churches like this now because of the Azusa Street Revival. The Holy Spirit poured out then and healed so much unrest in our nation. We need the Holy Spirit to pour out again. It's the only thing that's going to fix this thing. And so I want to be a church that. that's what I'm praying. God, how do I get the oil to flow? How do I get our church to be one that you will pour oil on? And this is what the Lord told me. If you will start pouring, I will make sure you don't run out. All right, all right. If you will start pouring. Husband, I just, this just keeps coming back to me. And I don't know. If you will start pouring into your wife the way you want her to love you, you will not run out. If you'll start pouring forgiveness into that person's life, you will not run out. You will full. You will be full, and so will they. You must move yourself and take on the responsibility that I'm going to pour oil, and I'm going to pour wine. Amen. I'm sorry, God. I went long, but no church tonight. I cancel it. (laughs) We had already canceled it. I want to ask you this: Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? I don't want to take it because I don't want to tell you how to change your future. And not give you a chance to take part in it. It's very simple. You just simply ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Just like you got saved. When I got saved, I said, Father, I want you to become Lord of my life. And boom. I didn't have to dance a jig. I didn't have to shake my bottom. I didn't have nothing. And I was saved. Same thing when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I simply said, Father, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? And the Bible promises that Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask the Holy Spirit to come in, then He will fill your life up. Because you can't pour anything you don't have. And so God wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you walk out of here, you pour. And as you pour, God will make sure every empty vessel in your house is full. I taught, the Lord gave me this revelation years ago about my finances. There were so many things I wanted to do with my finances. I wanted to take my family on a vacation. I wanted to have a nice vehicle. I wanted to have all a nice house. I wanted all these things. And the revelation of this story years ago was this. God will never give you what you want. Bible says He promises you that He will supply all your needs. So when you turn a want into a need... Then God's got a vessel that He can fill. What does that mean in finance? Like I say, if you don't, if you want to go on a cruise, you want to take your family on a cruise, go find out what a cruise costs. I don't advise it right now, but go find out what a cruise costs, get the right amount, plan the whole thing out, do the homework, build the vessel. You watch, God will fill it. If you want God to change somebody's life in the same resort, you bring the vessel into that presence of God, and God will change them. Does that make sense? Your job is to get the vessel here. In the financial arena, if you want your finances to change, build vessels. Go gather all the vessels. Put them together. And you watch, God, when you turn a want into a need, God will supply it. It's a promise in the Word. If you want God to change somebody, you get them in the house. God will fill it. Amen? But it's going to take you doing the work. You doing the pouring. You gathering the vessels. And God will use us in a mighty way. Father God, I pray right now that Even while we're sitting here in your presence. God, I ask your Holy Spirit to pour into this room. Oh God, we desire your presence right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into here right now. God, I ask you to use us that are filled with the Holy Spirit to just begin to pour out of what's on the inside of us. I'm trying to dismiss guys, but for some reason I can't. And if you got to go, go. But I want—I don't want to miss something God has for us right now. If you're here and you say, Cricket, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. But I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you simply just raise your hand. Now, we're not going to touch anybody today. But would you raise your hand if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If you have no idea what we're talking about, but you understand that it's real. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now. I want you simply say this. Father, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I invite you into my life, Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill me from the top of my head to the soles of my toes. Fill me with the power of your presence right now. Shambaka Now I, I, there were several hands. Do you feel it? Do you feel the Holy Spirit pouring it in you? It is actually a physical feeling. I'm telling you, it is. I remember when I felt like a bubble swelling up on the inside of me. It was a literal feeling of full. You begin to grow. The Bible says it's like a river of water flowing from your innermost being. From your belly will flow a, liver, a river of living water when you with the Holy Spirit. It ain't about the funny talking. It's about what's on the inside of you that you didn't have on the inside of you before. He begins to come in and fill you up to the point where I felt like it was going to pop and before it pops you would breathe and sounds would come out if you just ask the Lord for you take a deep breath in and breathe out y'all know I don't do this on Sunday mornings y'all know I don't do this I don't believe you know what I'm saying I don't believe making people feel good but I'm telling you I've, I've carried such a burden of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning Michelle, did you feel the Holy Spirit fill you? You raise your hand. I know you don't mind me pointing you out, Michelle, but did you feel the Holy Spirit come in? Did you feel the Holy Spirit fill you? Just breathe in and put sound to it. That's all it is. Breathe in and put a sound to it. There's no learning a language. I can't get close to you. But you just breathe in and put a sound to it it will not be the wrong sound. What comes out of you will be the Holy Spirit because you, when you invited Him in, He's now there. So if I go eat garlic bread and I blow in your face, you smell garlic because it's on the inside of me. When you invite the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, He comes in. And so when you breathe out and breathe in, breathe in and breathe out, that's what's coming out. You just put a sound to it. If you're here this morning and you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you felt Him come in. Would you Simply raise your hand. I want people to see. Did you feel him? Did you get your language? Did you pray in time? I'm not meaning to put you on the spot, I just can't touch you. <laughs> did you did you get a language on the inside? Did you feel him come in? Let's pray then. We gotta work through a lot. We have got all these years of doubt in us. It's what's happening. There's nothing wrong with you. How old are you? Mind me asking. How you how old are you? 37. Alright? At 37... You've got 37 years of not understanding it. And so, when adults... It's so easy to get kids filled with the Holy Spirit because you know, they don't got all these years of doubt and mistakes and all these things that the, the enemy plays in your head. That's not God. That's you. The, but what happens is this. If you can go by faith and believe... Just like when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you have to believe that He does... If you can believe when you ask the Holy Spirit to come in you, all that years of doubt and things are gone and the power of the Holy Spirit will come into you. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes in you, the Bible says you are filled with dunamis power is what it says in Acts chapter 2. And that power will change everything about your life. The things that you struggled with as a Christian, you will not struggle with anymore. You want to prove that Peter walked with Jesus for three years. And still after three years... When he got scared, he cut a dude's ear off. When you would put him in a bad situation, he'd cuss you out. After three years, he still struggled the walk. But when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, never again did you see him stumble with anything but racism. He had a racial issue down the road, but Paul helped him get that straightened out. When you ask the Holy Spirit to come in, He came in. You take a deep breath, and by faith, you begin to speak it out, pour it out. And I'm telling you, you cannot go wrong. You it will not not be him. So I want to pray. You can kill the lights back. I want to pray with you. you ready? Let's that Father God? I ask you, Holy, so just say Holy Spirit. Ask you to come into my life and fill me full right now, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me, your dunamis power, so that I may pour out what you've given me, O Lord, into all those around me that you simply take a deep breath in and breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out, and put a sound to your life that's coming out of you. See, mine sounds different than anybody else's. Mine sound I found goofy. I feel goofy sometimes doing it. But I've just decided I'd rather be a fool full of God than a, a theologist full of nothing. Just breathe in, breathe out. Is there anybody else I can pray to? Is there anybody in here right now that completely feels empty and drained? And you'd say, I need, Cricket, I need to be, I need the Holy Spirit to pour into me right now. I need, let's pray. Father God, I ask you right now, from the top of her head to the soles of her, toe, you pour your spirit into Maria. Father God, I ask you to give her a refilling that is stronger and more potent than any feeling she's ever had in her life. Father, I ask you to regenerate the life. re Refill the strength. Refill the joy. Refill the power inside of her life right now from the top of her head to the soles of her toes. I ask you to Pour it into her in the name of Jesus. I tell you, it's it's now is the moment. Things are about to change now. You have no idea. I'm telling you, we're about to see, I'm telling you, if we will bring vessels in, and God, we will allow God to use us, we're about to see the greatest revival this nation has ever seen. The Bible says, in the last day I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Think thing about it is, we got to get the flesh ready to receive it. Hey, guys, thank you for staying with me. We're way over. I just want to say this. uh, I've missed this. Haven't you missed this? I mean, I tangibly feel the Holy Spirit in here today. I've missed this. And although we can't touch, I believe the Holy Spirit's touching you. And as you go out of here, this. I mean, like I, said, I, I only tear up and cry for two reasons. One, when I talk about my kids. And two, when I feel the Holy Spirit on me. He said, that, those, and I've been fighting crime for the last hour. <laughs> and He don't show up for no reason. Every time Jesus showed up, He showed up to do something for somebody. And so I want you to put a demand on Him right now. He don't mind it. The blind man said, Jesus said, What do you want? And he said, I want my sight. Put a demand on him right now. I don't want you to walk out of here without getting something from him. He's here so strong. I don't like that. I'm not a crybaby. So whatever it is you came in here needing, lacking, desiring, or you need desperately, I want you to put a demand and ask God for it right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to. And you just simply whisper those words to him put a demand on the presence of God he does not mind I love it when my kids come and ask me daddy will you fix me something to eat I have never told them no not one time because I love my girls telling me what it is they need and I don't mind them putting a demand on me as a father God does not mind you putting a demand on him If you need a marriage fix, you say, God, I ask you to heal my marriage right now. If you need a a revival, I ask God to reawaken the spirit on the inside of you. If you need a physical touch, you ask God to heal me right now. Put a demand on the presence right now in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to take hold of it by faith. I walk out of church services and this is just me. I walk out of church services a lot of times. You watch me from now on, now that I point it out. You're going to watch it. I walk out of services a lot of times with my hand held like this when I walk out of here. 90% 90% of the services I walk out of here, I walk right out of here into that green room with my fists clenched. Because when I walk out of the presence of God, I always try to grab a hold of what God had for me in there, and I try to leave the presence of God with it. And I even have to move to the point of doing it physically. And there have been times I've been in a church service that they didn't preach on anything I needed, but I knew the presence of God was there, and so I would take hold of what it was I needed, and I would walk out with it because the devil would love for you to leave it laying in here, and you walk out of here the exact same way you did. and I I have to do it physically and I know it's stupid now that I told you that you'll probably laugh at me times but you walk with me I'll leave this aid and I'll take my hand just like that and I'll walk with it because I take a demand on the spirit God don't show up for no reason I demand that my kids are whole I'm walking out of here today declaring that my little girl's about to go through that other surgery and it's gonna come out better than it went in the first time I demand on the Holy Spirit he does not mind so right now Get a hold to something. He's in here. I feel, I'm like saying, I got tears coming out. I feel like a baby. You grab hold to something right now. Don't walk out of here with it, without it. Don't leave it in here. Father God, I ask you right now to answer the request of your people. And as they physically take hold of it in the supernatural realm, when they walk out of here, I thank you that they are tangibly seeing it take place in their life in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Say, I'm going to the doctor Thursday. And I've just got my promise out of this service. I'm not going through a service like this and not taking what God has for me out of it. I'm here. I'm going to go to the doctor with my baby Thursday. And that doctor is going to tell me a better report than what I thought he was going to give me when I went in. I was here today and the Holy Spirit was here today and He don't show up without doing things and I'm not leaving it here take hold of it by faith you walk out of here you take a hold that your child is going to be saved this year you take hold of it, your finances are going to change this year you take hold of it that your body is going to be healed this year you take hold of it we have missed this. The devil's done everything he could do to keep us from coming together as a church and being able to tangibly touch the presence of God where two or three of you. I tell you, Michelle, you are such an answer to my prayers. Can I put you on the spot? Okay. When all this was going on and our church had to shut the doors, I got to balance it as a pastor. I was scared to death. Because I write the checks for the rent every month. I write the different things and... When the devil came, I thought, "God, you're gonna sh- you're gonna let him shut it down," <laughs> and fear gripped me. But I just be that's I've never walked through something like this as a church. So I get on the phone with my pastor, and he starts telling me it's gonna be all right. We're gonna walk through this thing. God's gonna yeah yeah. And I decided if I was gonna go through that, what I was going to do is I was gonna get something for it. Amen. If you got to go through something, if you're getting paid for it, it makes it a little bit easier. All right. I decided that I wasn't going to leave a spoil in our battle. If I had to fight fear the way I was having to deal with it, I would not And Michelle, I began to pray because you don't understand the power that your family, God, has used y'all in this church. Your mama, I told her that she is a pillar in this house. That's why the enemy has tried to keep her from being in here for a long time. And the devil... Tried to discourage her and the health issues. I understand all that, but when this started, I specifically I made a list of about six names that I was going to see come back because your family and I say this, your family is so huge. Linda came in first, and then Linda brought Mike in, and Mike's probably one of the greatest assets to this church. Our church, don't you agree? Doesn't Mike just change this church? Give Mike a big hand clap. He's all over. He don't ever ask for anything. I've told Mike this. He is, a, he is a Peter in the house of this, in this house. But I, to, I made a list of six names that I wanted to see God put back in our family. And Linda was one of them because I remember back when we were in the mall, God brought Linda in. And when God, God brought Linda in, God used her to build our church. She brought in all those kids. She brought in, you know, she actually, you know, Eugene and even Dennis and Martha and the whole group, Amy, and she brought all them in. God used her such greatly. And then she brought you in. And when all this junk started, I was like, God, we're not going to go through this without us seeing a spoil out of this battle. So I started praying, but I had no idea that God was going to bless us with your purpose again. It's so, but you have no idea. Because, girl, you are you. God has such a call on your life in this house. You are so valuable here. Now, I feel like God told me to tell you He's so proud of you and that you haven't seen anything yet. Those thoughts you've been having about what? you're supposed to do for the Lord, I feel like the Lord's telling me, you actually have a ministry, you won't go to a ministry, you are a ministry, and in the ministry, God's going to use you, just like God used this in this situation, to what I feel like, give us Linda back, I feel like God told him, but it was really, God brought Lindy in all those years ago, because of what He's going to use you to do, you're going to change some lives, That you've been so worried about. And even the struggles that you've had. You see in them. But I feel like Lord tell me. He's going to use you. And it won't be a struggle for them anymore. You will set them. Be used by God to set them free. You will pour out into them. You are so valuable. You are the oil. For those ones that you've been caring about. Father God I thank you. That all of this was worth it what you're about to use Michelle to do what the devil meant for harm God your word says you will turn for good to save many lives God I thank you that I'm looking at the key for many lives to be saved and I thank you right now that God you're giving your aim, ministering angels charge over her I thank you that as she begins to turn her heart and affection towards you I think that you're going to pour the oil and the wine. You're going to heal the past hurts. You're going to heal the past disappointments. And I thank you that right now you're releasing into her a fresh vision and a clear path to what she is supposed to do. And I thank you, Lord, all those that you're going to use her to lead into the kingdom. It was worth it, Lord. It was worth it. In the name of Jesus. Guys, it is so amazing what God is doing. You have no idea, You have no idea. If, if it, I mean, the reason why I say it is because the Bible says, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither, has, either, neither has entered into the thoughts of man." One translation says this: You haven't even imagined what God's going to do. And I'm telling you, I'm not pumping myself up. I'm sitting back in amazement at what God's doing. In the middle of all this pandemic, y'all got time for just really one cool blow your mind thing?